So uh, we've been working toward uh, 500 wow items for those boxes. Uh, every box represents a child somewhere around the world who will hear uh, the gospel uh, because of your generosity. And so I come uh, sharing good news. Uh, we have collected over 500 wow items. Yes, very exciting. Uh, I just want you to know how grateful I am uh, to uh, God for uh, our church family rallying together uh, to provide these items. So grateful to God for uh, our, our GO team, for Becky and Lottie and Billy and for Heather and for the other uh, many hands that uh, had a part in this. So uh, we are going to be praying in the days ahead as we put together those boxes that uh, God might uh, send out the gospel around the world and that kids would not only receive a great box uh, filled with toys and goodies, uh, but that they would hear and receive the gospel and that God uh, would give to them faith. And so we are celebrating that this morning. Uh, you may have heard in Dan's prayer that uh, we have uh, a great group of students who went through our baptism class this morning. Uh, next week, they are going to be sharing their stories and celebrating uh, the good work that God's done in their hearts and in their lives. And so be praying for them. Uh, come next week ready to celebrate. Uh, we're going to gather together as a church family and give thanks to God. Uh, also, if you are new to Christ Point, two weeks from today is our next Discover Christ Point class. It's a great opportunity for you to hear not only what God has done in this place, but what he is doing uh, in the days ahead. If you'd like to attend, you can send an email to info at ChristPoint.com, or you can scan that QR code uh, as well and uh, let us know that you're coming. Also, last uh, but certainly not least, our students are going to be gathering together uh, second weekend in September. I believe it is the 12th through the 14th. 10th through 12th. I, I did it again. I did it again. They corrected me in our team meeting this morning, and I still messed it up. Um, it's the second weekend in September, but uh, more information uh, will be provided in the weeks ahead, but I know our students are looking forward to that. So uh, with that, if you could bow with me for a word of prayer, and then we're going to open up the word together. God, thanks so much for uh, your grace and for your goodness to us. Thank you for uh, the good work that you have done and that you are doing here at Christ Point. God, we give you thanks for uh, the wow items that you provided over uh, the last many weeks that will uh, go out to children around the world. I pray that those who receive them uh, would hear and believe the gospel, that they'd be blown away by the goodness of Jesus, and that you would do a good work in their hearts and in their lives. Uh, God, thanks so much for your living and active word. Thank you that you still use it uh, to form us, uh, to shape us, and to change us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would do that this morning. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our kiddos can be dismissed uh, back to CP Kids, and they'll be back in just a little bit. See you guys. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. Last week, we kicked off our new series, Walking Through the Book of Jonah, uh, together. And we covered verses 1 through 6. And this morning, we're going to look at verses 7 uh, through 16. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me there, or you can follow along on the screen. You can also go to the YouVersion app if you would like and follow the outline uh, this morning. Uh, Jonah chapter 1, verse 7 says, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. Uh, so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come up upon us. Uh, what is your occupation, and where do you come from? Uh, what is your country, and what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. 
Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because uh, he had told them. Verse 11, then he said to them, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not for the sea Uh, uh, grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, uh, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Uh, then uh, uh, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Uh, Have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night uh, by a horrible and wicked storm? Ever wake up in the middle of the night uh, by a storm? Um, I haven't. I haven't. That's actually never happened uh, to me. My philosophy in life uh, is why worry when you can sleep? And so oftentimes when I wake up in the morning, I will ask Melissa, Melissa, how did you sleep last night? Uh, and she will say, well, I, I slept okay, except for the storm. And she will say to me, you heard the storm, didn't you? And I will reply, what storm? She's like, you didn't hear the storm? I said, no, I was sleeping the whole time. I have a tendency uh, to sleep uh, through storms in the middle of the night. Um, and I don't think that I'm the only one. Uh, I think uh, many of us have... Uh, a propensity uh, to sleep through significant storms. I'm not talking about the summer storms that you may experience or even have experienced this past week. Uh, I'm talking about the spiritual storms in life. Uh, There are times when you and I experience spiritual storms in life, and instead of uh, being alert and awake for what is taking place, uh, we slumber uh, and we sleep. It is a temptation that we all have, and so this morning, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage me uh, to not sleep uh, through your spiritual storm. Uh, Don't sleep uh, through your spiritual storm. Uh, If you're familiar with the book of Jonah, you know that Jonah is a runaway prophet. Uh, He is the dictionary definition here of spiritual apathy. Uh, God is trying to get his attention to do something in his heart and in his life, but Jonah uh, finds himself asleep on the boat. Uh, The world around him is crashing in, and Jonah just simply crashed, right? There's a deep sense by the sailors that something is wrong, uh, and they want to know why. They want to know who is responsible for the storm. And so they ask in verse 7, it says, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Right? You will sleep uh, through spiritual storms in your life if you do not pause and take your spiritual temperature. You will sleep through spiritual storms in life uh, if you do not pause to take uh, your spiritual temperature. If you do not stop uh, when the world around you caves in and just simply ask the question, God, are you trying to get my attention? Uh, You may miss out on valuable lessons that God wants to teach you. 
Jonah chapter 1 verse 4 says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship uh, threatened to break up. This story is clear that God sent this storm uh, to chase after Jonah. And you believe that there are times in life when God sends storms uh, to chase after us. The scripture is clear that God appointed the storm. Later in Jonah chapter 4, uh, scripture talks about how God appointed a plant uh, to grow up and then to be taken away. Here, God sends a storm. He appointed the storm to get Jonah's attention. God still does this. He sets off alarms to spiritual sleepers. He is uh, kind enough to not allow us uh, to drift in life. God uh, chases after us. Maybe God is chasing after you uh, this morning. Um, God is kind enough to set off alarms uh, to spiritual sleepers. They, they serve as like the smoke detector in your home. I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, but when your battery uh, starts to go on your smoke detector, there is this very faint and subtle chirp uh, that you hear. Have you ever had that experience before? It usually takes me a minute or two to go, like, what, what? Where's that coming from? Like what, like, what is that? I'll listen, and, and, and then I think that I know like, where it's coming from, and so I'll walk up to the smoke detector, and I'll look up at it, and then, and then I'm there for like a minute, and I hear the chirp, only it's not coming from that smoke detector. It's coming from, from another one, and so I'll go, and I'll go, oh, I'm going to check this one in the hall, and I'll stare at it for a minute or two, and then I hear the chirp. Only it's not coming from that smoke detector. It's coming from another one. This always happens to me. I don't like at two o'clock in the morning. I don't. Know, I don't know why the batteries need to be changed at two o'clock in the morning, but like without fail. Like I, I feel like God, in His in His mercy and in His kindness, um, spiritually speaking, uh, will send little chirps uh, in our lives, and He's He's vying for our attention. Like, like he, he, he wants us to have a heart posture that says, like, God, is that, is that you? But there, there are times in life when uh, God sends storms to get our attention. I, I'm not suggesting that we should go around and assume that anything bad that happens in life uh, some, somehow is because of something that we've done. Right? We, we don't want to function like Job's friends or Job's so-called friends. You remember the story of Job in the Old Testament? Job's life goes sideways and his friends are kind enough to come alongside of him and explain away why it is everything's happening. Like we don't, we don't want to function like that as a people of God, but we do want to have a heart posture that comes before the Lord and simply says to him, God, you have my attention. Maybe this morning God is, is trying to get your attention. Right? There's that, that subtle chirp in the background that you hear, and God is saying to you, like, hello, uh, you will miss your spiritual storm in life if you uh, do not pause and take time to uh, take your spiritual uh, temperature. Uh, the mariners at this point in the story, they're spiritually lost as puppy dogs. Uh, by all indication, they were not followers of Yahweh. They each were crying out to uh, their own gods, but, but they want to know who's responsible for the storm. And so they have this like spiritual game of eeny, meeny, miny, moe, like one, two, three, not it. Uh, and they find that Jonah is the one who is responsible for the storm. It says they cast lots, and the lots uh, fell upon Jonah. In other words, like he was the culprit. 
Right? The, the storm had come, and, and in some ways, Jonah was responsible. They says, it says in verse 8, And then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? The second thing I want us to remember is that you'll sleep through the storm uh, if you don't remember who you are and whose you are. Um, you will sleep through the storm if you do not remember who you are and whose you are. Uh, Jonah is asked an identity question by uh, the sailors. They don't simply want his name. Right? They, they want to know where he comes from. They want to know on some level, like, what is your story? How did you end up here? How did you uh, get us to where uh, we are? You have to understand, uh, I mean, you, you can picture it, right? This boat's out in the water. It's, it's taking on water. Um, the, the wind is whistling. The water's beating against the ship. We said last week that the ship was actually literally uh, considering breaking up. Like the way the story is told, it's like the, the ship is a person and the, and the ship is going like, can, can I hold it together or should I not? In other words, this is like a life-threatening situation. Uh, the sailors had, had given up on everything that was on the ship. They're throwing stuff over. So you, you can picture this is a life-and-death situation. Right? And so these sailors are, are desperate, and so um, they're asking Jonah questions about who he is, like, how did you uh, end up here? Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? Ask them a handful of questions. What is your occupation? In other words, what do you do, or what is your uh, mission in life? He asked the question, where did you come from? What is your country? Like the, the physical place, like how did you end up here? And then they asked the question, who are your people? Which, which probes kind of the social aspect of uh, Jonah's life. The reason they're asking these questions is not because they want to have an in-depth conversation with Jonah as the ship is going down, right? For them, they want to know who is responsible for the storm and how can we make it stop? They come from a polytheistic culture, right? So they're worshiping many different gods. And the thought is if we find the right one and we talk to him uh, about this, then uh, the wind and the waves will cease and stop. So they're, they're digging into Jonah's life. And Jonah responds to this question by answering, or these questions by answering, I am a Hebrew. And I am a Hebrew. He says that before he says anything else. And I believe that that is significant. One commentary says, in a text so spearing with words, it is significant that he reverses the order and puts his race out front as the most significant part of his identity. Since Jonah identifies himself first ethnically, then religiously, we may infer that his ethnicity is foremost in his self-identity. While Jonah had faith in God, it appears not to have been as deep and as fundamental to his identity as his race and his nationality. Right? So that statement in and of itself is significant. Right? That's significant, that, that Jonah first and, foremost, first and foremost puts forth his ethnicity. Um, while important, um, that is not ultimately what defines us. While important, that is not ultimately what defines us. A number of months ago, I was talking to a gentleman at one of my son's soccer games, and I was like, hey, tell me your story. And when I, when I asked him that question, that's a question that I oftentimes ask, uh, the first thing that he said to me is, I'm Italian, I'm from New York, and so I'm Catholic. I thought that was interesting. I'm Italian, 
I'm from New York, so I'm Catholic. He said it in that order, which was interesting, right? He had the, I mean, he, like, he had the accent, he talked with his, like every stereotype that you may have, like he check, check. He was laughing about it. He's like, I know, I know, I know. And, that, and that's how he defined himself in that moment. I'm Italian, from New York, therefore, I'm Catholic. Um, that is, is not uh, how uh, God intends uh, for us to identify ourselves. Um, when we put our ethnicity, our race, our work, our career, our accomplishments, our appearance, anything before our identity in Christ, we become slaves to a category that may describe us, but doesn't ultimately define us. Um, I think that's really significant. We have a propensity as a people to gravitate toward a group uh, to, to bring us identity. And God has defined us or created us in such a way that what defines us ultimately is our relationship with Jesus. Um, I, I've been going through the, uh, a, a Bible app, Bible recap, um, reading through the Old Testament. And, I've, and I've, I've only been doing this for like 40 days. Uh, 41 days, I think it was this morning. And so I was reading this morning. I was in Exodus chapter 33, uh, which is a, a great passage in Scripture. But I was fascinated by it because it was when Moses got the law a second time from God. Remember the first time he comes back down the mountain, like Moses was gone for a minute and a half. The people build a golden calf and things go a little sideways, doesn't end up going well. But there's, a, there's this passage in Exodus chapter 33, the second time Moses is getting the, the law. And God, needless to say, is a little upset with his people. And I think it's Exodus uh, 33, uh, maybe verse 16. But, but Moses basically says to the Lord, like, if, if we go, if we leave as a people, you need to go with us. Like, if, if, if you stay, we stay. If we go, if you go, then, then we go. It was like he was saying, like, God, Yahweh, you are our identity. You're everything to us. If we have you, we have everything. If we do not have you, we have nothing. And that's the posture of the Christian life. If we have Jesus, if we have God, we have everything. If we do not have him, uh, then, then we have nothing. So, so they asked Jonah this question, a, a number of questions, and he begins um, not with his relationship with Yahweh. He, he begins with his ethnicity. He begins with, I am a Hebrew. And then he says something that, that quite honestly, is, is um, almost humorous, right? He, he, he says, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, uh, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah's response when I read that is, is almost laughable uh, to me because if you know the story, Jonah is on the run. <laughs> Jonah has, has taken off. Like God's given him instructions. He's like, I want you to go. And Jonah was like, like peace out. Like God told him to go east, like go east to Nineveh. And he's like, I'm headed to Spain. Like 
I'm going to get on a ship, and I'm going to go the complete opposite direction. Right? And so it's, so it's interesting to me that when, when these sailors ask Jonah about his story and who you are, he's like, I'm, I'm a Hebrew, and like, I fear Yahweh, uh, the one who made the sea, <laughs> hello, and the dry land. And I read that, and I go, there, there's, there's clearly a disconnect there. Like on one hand, Jonah's like, I, I fear the Lord. He made me. He is sovereign over the universe. And oh, by the way, like, I'm getting out of Dodge. Right? That makes absolutely no sense to me. It seems almost foolish or silly. And then uh, I start to think about uh, my own life and my own heart and how often there can be a disconnect between what I say or what we say and what we actually uh, do. We said last week that, that one of the startling things about the book of Jonah is the very worst in Jonah that we see is oftentimes found in us. It, it, would, it would be like a, a, a bank robber going to the teller and saying, I'm trusting the Lord for my finances. I need you to take all of your unmarked bills and put them in these bags. You're going, that, that, does, that doesn't make any sense. It would be like us saying our identity or my identity is in Christ alone. And did I tell you that I graduated with honors and I've traveled the world and I've recently won a couple prestigious awards and I hope to retire at 50 and I was voted most likely to succeed in high school and in college and in graduate school and I'm in better shape today than I've ever been before. Like you're going, what? Like that, that seems inconsistent. It's like saying I am for justice and I am for the marginalized. And what I decide to do with the baby in my body is up to me. It's like saying that you're saved by grace through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. But you cannot call yourself a Christian and vote for him or for her. There are, are times in life when there is a disconnect between what we say we believe and who we say we fear and functionally um, how we act or respond. Um, we will waste the spiritual storms in life if we look for our identity in any place other than Jesus. Jonah chapter 1, verse 11 says, And then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. There are a couple different ways that we can look at Jonah's response. On one hand, we could look at his response and say Jonah is taking responsibility for his actions. 
Like he realizes that because of some of the decisions that he's made, the storm has come. Like God's trying to get his attention. He sees the impact that it's having on the fellow sailors. And so he's going, hey, throw me into the sea and this thing stops. Like you, you get off scot-free. Like maybe some of Jonah's response is that. Or it's possible that Jonah is thinking to himself, um, we're in a bad situation here. Uh, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm not really a big fan of the folks there. You throw me into the sea in the middle of this storm, and I don't have to worry about going to Nineveh anymore. Because right? I'm not around anymore. It's possible that Jonah essentially is falling on uh, the sword here. I don't know if the text specifically says which one of those Jonah had in mind when he said what he said. But one of the things that's interesting to me about this passage is not Jonah's response. It's the response of the sailors. Aren't you blown away by how the sailors respond to this situation? Jonah is the prophet of God. Right? Jonah is the guy that should know better. Right? Jonah is God's mouthpiece Right, to preach a message to a people who are far from God and God wants to draw near. Right, so you would expect, as the story is being told, that, that Jonah would kind of wise up and get his stuff together, that, that Jonah would sort of be the hero of the story. But even in this little snippet here, Jonah is not the hero of the story. Right, it's the sailors right, who, who didn't even know Yahweh Right? They were crying out each to their own gods. They're the ones who are far from God, seemingly, but they are the ones who are acting most near. And isn't it amazing to you how many times you read the Bible and you think to yourself that the hero in the story is going to be the spiritual guy or gal? Right? They're going to wise up. It's like the story of the Good Samaritan. Right? Someone needs help. Who comes to the rescue? The spiritual people do. No. <laughs> no, they don't. It's the person that you would least expect. It's amazing to me that oftentimes God works this way. You would think that the buttoned-up people, the, the like have-it-all-together people, would be the heroes. Not here. Right? The, the sailors, they are the ones who are gripped by what is taking place. Jonah's like, throw me into the water, and they go, I think we can make it back. Jonah's like, throw me into the water. And they're like, we'll just paddle harder. Right? And, it's, and it's not working. And when, when they go to do the deed, they're crying out to Yahweh. They're going, hey, I, like, like, we don't, it's like, they're going, like, we don't love this plan, but okay. Take his arms, I'll take his legs. And, and, and they, they respond, they say, therefore, they called out to the Lord, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. It says in verse 16, um, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. Right, so they're the ones in the story, at least here, where it seems like the light bulb goes off. Like I don't think they're making sacrifices on the ship in the middle of the storm. I think they go back to the shore and they, they offer sacrifices to the Lord. It's like God has opened up their eyes to his greatness in this, in this moment. And this, this scene here is going to give us a preview of what is to come in Jonah's travels to Nineveh. 
Because God is working in the most unexpected ways. And, And he's doing it through means that you would never expect. It just goes to show in many ways that God is able to accomplish what God wants to accomplish um, with or without you and me. He uses us, and he does it all the time. Right? But, but when we run, like God can still get the job done. Like He's not up in heaven thinking to himself, boy, I had a really good plan if I could get these folks to fall in line. It's like God's like, okay, like I'll send the storm. Like you can do it the easy way, or you can do it the hard way. I had a friend years ago when he had little kids, they used to tell him, like, you can do it with a spanking or without a spanking. I was like, I don't know if that's a good parenting technique, but, but <laughs> like, it feels like the Lord is kind of like, you can go with a spanking or without a spanking, like, your call. You will miss a spiritual storms in life if you do not see God's hand in it. You'll miss spiritual storms in life if you do not see God's hand in it. Um, God is working. God God is always working. We may not understand it. We may not see it uh, clearly. But God is not sleeping uh, even in the midst of our spiritual slumber. He is merciful and he vies for our attention. And he is kind enough um, to wake us uh, when we drift asleep. He does it all the time. Uh, maybe uh, he's doing it right now uh, in your heart and in your life. Would you pray with me? God, I feel like there are, are times in, in life when you, you vie for our attention, when we function in, in such a way where it, it seems as if like we are either sleepwalking or we're just asleep, uh, where we go down into the bottom of the boat And we essentially function in such a way where we say, uh, just please leave me alone. Lord, thank you for the times in life when you don't leave us alone. Uh, Thank you for the times when you chase after us, uh, when uh, you get our attention, when you open our eyes to what you're doing. Uh, Lord, I believe that you're doing that in the hearts and lives of your people this morning. And so I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears uh, to hear, and hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. Um, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to invite you as we uh, conclude our service this morning, if you would, just remain seated and just reflect upon uh, these words that uh, that Dan uh, sings this morning.